Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com, Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. This is the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso, and despite being over two months late, we finally reached the conclusion of the 2019-20 Premier League, a historic league, if one may say so, and a season that will leave a lasting impression for the good and indeed for the bad. As we always do, whenever we have anything to do with football, we have to get our team together. So while I'm stuck back in goals, um, we do have our residential centre defensive midfielder, our box-to-box midfielder maybe, or maybe he is Australia's answer to Andrea Pirlo himself. Depends on who you're talking to. The spicy chorizo himself, Dom Rizzuto, good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Good evening, listeners. A a rousing introduction, a a very complimentary, I must say. I don't think I'm Australia's answer to... um, uh, let's say, Andrea Pirlo. Um, my fitness is a little lacking, um, has been for years, and especially during the uh, the COVID break, it is at a particularly bad shape at the moment. But we're battling on and playing football, inheriting the uh, the left-back position currently for the, the mighty Marrickville A-10s, uh, just getting the fitness up, and then maybe maybe towards the back end of the season when I get the lungs in, I may have a little brief stint in the midfield, but we're a bit of a fixer-upper, Mr. Do-It-All. Uh, current role that I'm playing at the moment, but it's good to be here talking about people and teams that can actually do it a lot better than I can, which I'm sure those listening in are going to be far more interested in hearing. Absolutely. Tonight, we are going to do things a little bit differently to how we do the Premier League as well, Dom. We feel that we are in school today, so the rap will take the form of a report card. We love we love you know dishing out report cards now. Now that we're not now that we are not on the receiving end of them. What went well for the clubs? What didn't go well? What grade did they get? Possible transfers and seeing where the clubs could be finishing next year. There will be a bit of detail. We can guarantee, though, it will be brutal and it will be frenetic. So with the referee's whistle going off, it is time to start the action. This is splinters. You thought I was going to say football then for a moment, didn't you? Sure. Indeed it is. Well, let's get straight into it because we've got a lot of get to, to get through tonight. And first off, we've got Arsenal who finished eighth. Uh, what we're going to be doing as well is we're going to be giving our own uh, ratings. We're going to give the ratings of the two big sports organizations as well, Fox Sports and Optus. And we'll talk about a couple of things. So Arsenal, I've given them a C minus. Fox Sports has given them a C minus. Optus has given them a D. Dom, what did you give them? Well, I gave them a C minus uh, two Caruso. I thought they had a very average season. Obviously, they started with Unite Emray in charge, um, stuck with him for a while, but could never get anything right defensively. They were pathetic, really, um, which showed throughout the season. Um, they brought in Mikel Arteta, um, who managed to sort of st- steady the ship after a brief stint from Freddie Umberg as the assistant manager. Um, didn't pay off either. Um, they, they backed it up with some okay results towards the back end of the season. More importantly, obviously, the FA Cup uh, that they just won uh, the other day. But I've got to say, it, this is a Premier League report card, not an FA Cup report card. And 
the C minus for me is is as good as they can they can get really for a side that you know is always wanting to push for Champions League football. The two things that came to mind for me was their, in particular, was their lack of discipline. They topped the charts for both yellows and red cards, although it has to be said that the main culprit of that is one, David Louise, who should probably consider, honestly, should consider retirement. The other issue I've got is considering the uh, vultures swooping around Arsenal to pick up some of these players, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Possibly to Barcelona, Alexander Lacazette, possibly to Juventus, Socrates of Stuttgart, and Mesut Ozil possibly going to LA Galaxy. Required, or is this going to tear the heart out of Arsenal? No, I think that's uh, what they need. They really need to, obviously, rip the team apart, start from scratch, let uh, Arteta bring in the players that he wants to bring in to, to develop the teams that he wants to, to get them back on level pegging this team has been mediocre for a number of years and was really gives a lot of credit to their former manager uh, Arsene Wenger who obviously was there for a very long time considering how consistent they were in the Premier League under his watch and how average the team was as soon as he left the team has just not been able to have not found the management to push this team beyond the elements of their ability and it shows and it, uh, an eighth position finish is, is one that I would think is, is most Arsenal fans would not be happy with, regardless of an FA Cup triumph. Let's go to the next team, your beloved Aston Villa. I gave them a <laughs> C plus. Fox Sports gave them a C. Optus gave them a C minus. What did you give them? And how relieved are you that they are staying up? Well, look, it was the great escape. Very relieved. Uh, match day 38. Uh, it came uh, a little bit later than I was expecting, and it was a very nervous 90 minutes I had watching them uh, play West Ham. They did make it through incredibly. Um, in some ways, uh, Villa were one of the better teams to come out of the lockdown, actually. They, it allowed them a bit of time to sort out their defensive issues, um, give players a bit of a rest. It allowed guys like John McGinn to come back into the team, who was uh, a big absence throughout the year with his knee injury. Uh, lost Tom Heaton as well, which gave the club a chance to, to bring in some players um, to to fill in fill in for him. Um, obviously, they lost their main striker in, in Wesley, who, despite uh, not having a great start to his Premier League career, was you know getting on the goals, at least here and there, for the club. I've still given them a very harsh rating, perhaps, of a D-. Um, considering uh, the money that they spent on the players, um where how they lost certain games, Villa can look back at this season and probably go, you know what, we shouldn't have been even close to this position, considering how many times they were from they were leading and lost games from those positions in the final 15 minutes. I think they dominated the stats when it came to losing games from being up. Uh, they didn't hold a clean sheet away from home all season. I think they only held or got themselves achieved three clean sheets throughout the season. Uh, pretty disappointing and pretty painful to watch at times. There were some good moments and there were some, obviously some bright sparks. Jack Grealish was, was very, very good. Um, they obviously had some, some strong wins, especially that one nil win over Arsenal, which proved to be key in the end uh, in the, in the penultimate game. But still, I th- there's a lot of room for improvement for, for Aston Villa. And if they put in a season like that, but we've just had in the next season with sides like West Brom and Leeds coming up, um, they're going to be in a, a very, very difficult spot to keep themselves in the Premier League. 
Well, from my side, very quickly, before we go to the next team, I thought Trezeguet was starting to show signs of what he was capable of. Uh, but certainly their defence is an absolute shambles. Neil Taylor, Matt Target and Tyrone Mings just simply did not stand up, I thought. I think uh, Tyrone Mings played reasonably well. I think he performed his ability. I think there was elements to him that obviously shows that he's probably not the the main man for the job. There is some, some things that he needs to work on. And I think it, what's a little bit difficult about Mings is that whilst he's the best defender at the club, I think being the best defender at the club comes a bit more responsibility and maybe kind of promotes him to make look a little bit better than what he maybe, maybe he is. Um, Ozzy Konza was fantastic at centre-back. Neil Taylor was awful. Oh, don't get me started on Neil Taylor. Uh, Matt Target had some good games, uh, a much better uh, fullback moving forward than he is defending. And he got some, you know, some key goals for us during his time um, in the, in the Clarendon in blue so far. Um, but there, there's definitely some some issues there at at uh, so at left back that need to, that need to be resolved um, moving into the new season, which I'm sure the team will address um, come I think September 8th when the season restarts. Let's go to the next one, and it's one of the first of the relegated teams. It is Bournemouth. Um, I've rated them a C. Fox Sports and Optus have both given them D's. What have you given them, Dom? Well, I've given them, look, I've given them a, 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 a D as well. Or like I had a C earlier in the week, but I've gone with D now. Um, I think we spoke about it earlier um, when we were obviously going through our our gradings for the clubs that time, I think, eventually caught up with Bournemouth. Obviously now Eddie Howe has been um, well sacked or has left the club. I think a mutual agreement for him to leave. Um, they performed very valiantly for a number of years. Smallest club in uh, in the Premier League by far. They've got the smallest stadium. Their squad overachieved massively. Um, but I think finally not being able to add to the squad and losing some key players here and there. Uh, they also made some poor signings um, to try and take them to the next level. Those signings, you know, try to be sort of some some understudies or some undercuts from the likes of Liverpool and Manchester United and Manchester City and Chelsea and Arsenal, etc., just didn't come off for them. So I think, like we said, time eventually told on the, on the cherries. Um, they've now lost, obviously, you know, Nathan Ake to Manchester City. They've lost uh, Eddie Howe uh, as the manager. So difficult times for them moving forward, obviously, into 2021. And I'm not too sure where they're going to go from here, but... Uh, Again, as I, as I mentioned, kind of repeating myself here, it time was, eventually told. They didn't. They just didn't have the, the resources to compete with the bigger clubs that can. Very quick, very quick question, yes or no. Can you see them getting um, doing the double drop next year, or do you think they'll Oh, no, I don't think they'll double. I don't think they'll double drop. Um, I think that's uh, they shouldn't be going down that quickly. Um, yeah. They'll lose, they'll lose a key players, but they'll find some players. They, you know, they'll still got a, they've got a championship squad. There's no doubt about it. They just don't have a Premier League squad. Brighton and Hove Albion, another team that were looking in trouble but managed to um, escape fairly comfortably to avoid relegation. I gave them a C. Uh, Fox Sports and Optus surprisingly gave them Bs. Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe possibly the Australian influence there, um, potentially giving them a little bit more leeway, uh, the big media outlets there, maybe showing a little bit of a bias towards Brighton. Um, obviously with Matt Ryan and Aaron Moy um, uh, two regular starters uh, for the Seagulls I've given them a C like you Caruso I thought they were they were you know 
they passed at the end of the day. I didn't see anything uh, incredible from them. They picked up some good points against teams that they shouldn't win. They had some great sparks as, um, you know, Al Reziva, John Abasek scored the goal of the month in January with his bicycle kick against Chelsea. Um, they were really good when they came out of the lockdown. Um, Neil Morpay scoring some key goals, obviously getting that win against Arsenal in the first game back was big for them, but I didn't think they were too crash hot. I mean, they had, they had, a, they had a loss to Villa, a draw to Villa. They, they didn't go you know, particularly well against the other clubs around them. Um, I, I was I didn't think they did had any kind of, let's say, spark to them. They just went in, did the job, got through for another season, and that was about it. So to give them a B considering, you know, they weren't really considered to be favourites to get relegated. I think it's a pretty pretty generous grading. Um, but they did the job. They got it done, and that's what a C gets you. The, to me, I thought there were two things for me. Um, their, their attack was absolutely dreadful. They, of course, had the – a lot of people won't know this. They had the worst shot on goal percentage in the Premier League. It was down at 28%, which is absolutely dreadful. To their credit, and I think for the third time in about three, in as many years, Matt Ryan will find himself in the top five goalkeepers in terms of saves made for the whole season. He is the reason he's he is part of the reason Brighton have stayed up all. The yeah, time. he did. A, he had a great season, Matty Ryan. Um, his Premier League experience is, is going up and up with every with every save that he makes, and and he was a big part of uh, them staying up this year. Aaron Moy had a had a quieter season this year. Um, in what is a pretty competitive Brighton midfield. Um, no longer probably the main man like he was at Huddersfield, so didn't get, get didn't get involved as much. But again, I think Brighton, you know, they finished comfortably in 15th in the end. There was a nervy moment, but they, they steadied the ship. They got to where they needed to be, and they passed and will be in the Premier League for another season. Let's go to the next team, uh, the, um, the team from Turf Moor, Burnley. Uh, I gave them a B. Fox Sports and Optus gave them both. Both gave them A's. Yeah, look, I I can see where they're coming from. I had a I had a B on them earlier, but I think I think a B minus or a B plus is is around where they where they probably uh, sit again. Another incredible season from Sean Dyche's men, finishing in tenth. Um, you had you know, Chris Woods hitting around the fifteen goal mark. Um, plenty of clean sheets again. I think Nick Pope only just missed out to Edison in the end on club on clean sheets. Um, they didn't, again, spend a lot of money in the transfer market and have just battled away. They obviously don't play too attractive football, but they play football that wins games and gets the job done. So for that, I'm more than happy to give them a B, B plus. I think an A is probably, probably pushing it a little bit. Um, but again, another incredible season for, for Burnley at Turf Moor and proving that, you know, you don't need to have buckets and buckets of cash to survive in the Premier League. You might need it to take your way to the to a Premier League title, but side like Bernie just keep chugging on and they'll be impressed with that performance and you know they'll get to play Premier League football for another year. Let me throw a quick question to you. Another one here for for these teams. And it's the the big question here, my why what went wrong? Is Joe Hart's career over? Uh yeah, in 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 the Premier League, yeah, absolutely. He's done, you think? With yeah. Nick Pope's season, he's gone. I just don't see another club picking him up. Uh, maybe uh, maybe one of the teams that come up from the from the championship, maybe. But I don't see why they'd need him. He's uh, he's going to be yeah, he's struggling. Let's go to Chelsea. They finished fourth this year. They're in the Champions. They're back in the Champions League, although in the play, or being in the playoff round. Uh, although that remains to be seen with the uh, 
with the appeal that's going on against Manchester City's... Um, oh, no, they're safe. Manchester City will be playing in the Champions League next year. So I've given them a B plus. Fox Sports gave them a B plus. Optus gave them an A. Yeah, I think a B plus is fair for, for Chelsea. Um, they had a, you know... F- Rookie manager and Frank Lampard come in, you know, in, in this season and had to take over a club that wasn't allowed to, to buy anybody with the transfer ban that was on them, uh, due to obviously them being criminals for for years in the in the youth loaning market. Uh, they finally got done for it, which was uh, which was great to see. But he brought in a, a bunch of youth players and academy players and bought players in from loan and just got them working brilliantly. Um, they played some really attacking football. Um, he got the best out of, uh, you know, Ross Barkley, well, for, which we haven't seen in a long time. Tammy Abraham started well, but then fell off a little bit after his injury. Um, Pusey and Pulisic in the last few weeks was fantastic. Unfortunately, injured now after the FA Cup loss. Now I'm going to be playing Champions League football next year. I, I think an A is probably a little generous considering some of the losses they had. There were some really poor draws and and losses to clubs that they should be beating every week. Um, considering that they, you know, they beat the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City um, during the season, you would think that there was some, you know, you know if, you, if you took those three or four points against those teams that they should be beating, they would have been, you know, close to competing for that second position with Manchester City, if not that first position with Liverpool. Um, I imagine that uh, they'll make some really big changes uh, in the off-season, which have already they've already started to do with Timo Werner coming in from. RP Leipzig, Hakim Zayek from Ajax, some great signings there. Uh, obviously, the big rumour is that Kai Havertz will be joining them before the season starts. Um, they've got abundance of talent. Looks like they're really look, looking to compete again um, for the Premier League title now that this ban is over. Um, you know, they've probably got cash now because, you know, Roman Abramovich hasn't actually had to spend any money on any new players. So <laughs> they have some money One. to spend this coming season. But yeah, I think a B plus is fair considering where they, you know, what sort of, you know, what sort of happened at the start of the season, where they ended up and where they ended up finishing. Um, but an A, yeah, an A, an A is a little generous, perhaps. I'm going to throw one to you of one area that they probably do need to spend money on. That's going to be a goalkeeper. Oh, well, yes, of course, there is the... The Kepa Arazi Balaga, Balaga, apologies, um, who obviously had a bang average season. And actually, as I was joking about on the bench a couple of weeks ago with uh, with Matt Mears, um, the broken record. But I've been saying this for a number of seasons uh, ever since he joined Chelsea as the world's most expensive goalkeeper that he wasn't good enough um, to be at Chelsea's number one. And and he's again, I've been <laughs> not to blow one's trumpet, but I've been proven right. And they're now on the market, obviously, to bring someone in to replace him um, because he was was quite costly for them this year and um i imagine that uh frank lampard will be will be looking at his options but you know or perhaps he may stick with him i don't know but they've got a few things to mix up not just not just kepa but they need a stronger center back as well they're missing someone at the moment um which they vitally need an old sort of john terry or gary cahill is what they probably need in that chelsea Line up right Speaking now, and I don't know if they'll come if, if, where it's going to come from, but that's exactly what they need if they want to be pushing for that Premier League title next season. Well, speak, speaking of Gary Cahill, let's go to his club now, Crystal Palace. Um, C minuses and C's all round here. Yeah, I think it's a fair uh, thing again for, for Crystal Palace. Um, they managed to hold on to Wilfred Sahar, which I think was a big thing at the start of the season where he really wanted to leave. He probably will leave this season. Um, I'd be surprised if he, if, he, if he stays or doesn't get a release. Having said, he didn't particularly have a, a, a let's say a season that he had like before, where he kind of carried them uh, towards uh, you know safety. It was a bit quieter this year. They managed to pick up some key wins 
you know, when they needed to. But not really much to say about Crystal Palace or a side that, you know, do the job. Roy Hodgson will get them will get them ticking. Um, if they're to ever obviously take, you know, themselves the next stage, they seriously need a new striker. They haven't got one. Jordan Ayew is okay, but he's, and Christian Benteke was once a, you know, had a good couple of seasons for Aston Villa, but has never been the same since his injury to his Achilles. And I imagine that uh, Crystal Palace will, you know, want to bring in some new additions, but I don't know where that's going to come from and where they're going to go to. I don't know what they want to be, Crystal Palace. Do they want to be perennial 14th place finishers or do they want to be pushing for, for Europe positions? I'm not too sure, but um, they definitely need uh, some fresh blood in this side if they're going to, you know, continue to stay in the Premier League. The um the one for me that I thought was uh, impressive for them was uh, Vincent Guaita, their goalkeeper. A tidy ten clean sheets this year. Yeah, he played really well, Vincent Guaita, and I imagine that uh, Roy Hodgson will be will be thanking him quite a lot at the at the end of season rewards uh, awards ceremony for for Palace um, for for keeping them in the Premier League for another year. Let's go to the next club, Everton, who finished twelfth. And this is interesting here. I've gone with a C. Fox Sports have gone with a D, a C minus. Optus a D, and you are I've quite harsh. With, you are, yeah, you I've definitely gone with a D for Everton. Uh, obviously, started the year with uh, Marco Silva in charge, and they brought in Carlo Ancelotti very early, um, but didn't really obviously take off. They were really poor against a lot of sides. I mean. They almost lost to Aston Villa twice, so there's a there's an example for how average they were. Um, they got pumped by Bournemouth on the final day of the season. Um, they just lost some really silly games. Um, big money signings that they brought in, like Theo Walcott and, and Alex Awobi, have really not taken off. I must say Keane from Juventus has proved to be a bit of a child still and not really up to Premier League standard just yet. And now um, they're going to splash out $25 million on Pierre-Emile Hoiberg from South Yeah, Canada. I mean, again, I, I don't know who's in charge of the of the signings at, at Everton. Um, they've got some good backing now. They've got some good owners. Obviously, a lot of money and a lot of focus will be on that new stadium that they've got coming uh, in the near future. But they really need something. Some they're missing. They're missing a ten. They're missing a flat playmaker. Ever since the you know they lost uh, Wayne Rooney for that little few seasons, and Gilfie Sigurdsson has kind of lost his touch a little bit. And it kind of happens with those players that don't have a particular lot of pace as they get a bit older. Um, their skill really no longer cuts it, regardless of how good they are. They kind of, you still need that athleticism to compete. I just don't see, I just don't see how you can give them anything better than a D considering, you know, they're, they're a side that since they got bought by the new owners have been eyeing up a Europe place and have yet to even get remotely close to that. Let's go to one of the more positive stories from the, uh, from the season, the Leicester city who finished fifth um, B pluses all round except for Fox Sports who gave them an A minus and it has to be said it could have been a whole lot higher if it wasn't for COVID nineteen. Yeah, I think it, it could. I think they were one of the signs that probably did get stung a little bit by the by the stopped season. Um an A minus I think is a fair um uh, report or grading from Fox. Um I've given them a B plus. I think you could sit them somewhere in the middle, maybe an A for them. They had a terrific start to the season. At Christmas, they were second. Obviously, Jamie Vardy was, again, outstanding. Golden boot winner with 23 goals. Um, he found a really good halves pairing in Sionchu and... Excuse me, Sionchu and... I forgot got the centre-back for... The other centre-back for Leicester, but Peter's, obviously, Casper Smichael had another great season in goals. Ben Chilwell left back... Um, 
they were they were just playing really really good football. James Madison had a great start to the season at the start. Fell off a little bit towards the end. Don't know what quite happened there. But, yeah, they'll be disappointed that they ended up finishing fifth, you know, considering from where they were. They did collapse a little bit. Um, but still, to be finishing above the likes of Tottenham, Arsenal, um, Wolves, uh, even Everton, for that example, who they put, you'd probably think, you know, are direct, com- you know, season competitors in that, in those, you know, and, and similar kind of um, football clubs. Uh, they'll be very impressed with that. They were one game away from finishing in Champions League. They only had to beat Manchester United on the final day. Um, unfortunately, just fell a little bit short. And I think, uh, you know, Brendan Rodgers and his and his team will be very, very impressed with the season they've had. And, you know, they make some, some decent signings in the offseason. There's no reason why they can't be putting themselves in that position again come uh, the new season. And we'll finish off the, uh, the Chris, first half. Uh, sorry, it was Chris... Um, it was Chris Evans who was the uh, Chris Evans, yeah. who was the centre back. Sorry, Johnny Evans, not Chris Evans. Sorry, Johnny Evans so, at centre back. Let's finish off the first half as the, uh, the the referee starts looking at his watch, and we come to the champions themselves. And uh, no surprise that everyone around has given them an A plus. And really, I, the only thing you could complain about them that didn't go right for them was that the fact that they didn't achieve a hundred points this year. Yeah, I think they uh, obviously, I think just winning the season in general was the achievement that they wanted to tick off and they did that in with flying colours they were simply incredible again this year Liverpool I think remained undefeated at Anfield once again um, for the year they plus played some brilliant football they'll be disappointed that they won't be playing themselves in the Champions League uh, when it resets uh, on the weekend but I imagine that uh, I don't think too many people care I think people you know after winning the Champions League and then going on to win the Premier League the following year I think uh, the club is in is in a perfect position. Um, they're looking to sign. They've got a great team. They've got a great coach. Um, and I don't see why. There's not really much else to say, is there? They've just had a fantastic season. All their players ticked all the boxes, A-pluses all around. And again, I think they put themselves in a position where they're going to be a continuous. Uh, I don't think this will be the only Premier League title we see them win uh, over the was, next uh, couple of years to come. What was the clinching signing, do you think, for them? Because a lot of people would have pointed to the likes of you know, the fact that they signed Mos, um, Mos Salah, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Henderson. They had Roberto Firmino for a while. Two players come from mind for being critical signings for them that really turned the difference. First of them was Sadio Mane, and the second one was Virgil van Dijk. Well, look, I think they made the signings last season in Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk. When those guys came in, uh, they made a heap of difference. They didn't really bring too many people in for this year. They were all the, 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 people, the players were already there. Um, yeah. I think that was what was key. You know, they had that first season together with those new signings in there, and then they've had this team come in, and you know they've brought in some key players. Obviously, Jordan Henderson has become a has become a really good midfielder, a really good player who I think struggled before Klopp came in, um, and they've just got a, a team that just works like nothing I've ever seen before, 110% all the time, but yet still have this incredible um, flair to them when they attack. Um, like I said, they made those signings at the start of the year. Um, so they started last season, and they've just uh, been able to sort of settle in and take themselves to the next level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to take our break. Uh, the referee has just blown half time, so we're going to go and grab a quick drink. And when we come back, it'll be time for the second half. This is the EPL wrap for Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Hunters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We're back with the EPL report card for 2019-20 and I think we're bang on halfway there. So we're making some good progress through the teams at the moment here, Dom. And now we're going to start off uh, with the second half of the clubs and we're going to come to the team that finished second. They're on their way again to the Champions League well, in their eyes, thankfully, um, because the decision has been overturned, it is Manchester City, and this is a very uh, wide and woollied uh, ra- uh, ratings that they've been they've been given them. Uh, Optus has given them a B. I gave them an A minus. Fox Sports has given them a C. So, plenty of debate around Manchester City's season this year. Yeah, I, I gave them a I gave them a B. Um, I think an A minus is very very generous, Caruso. Um, look, they finished second, but you know. But they finished second by obviously a fair way from their chasing pack, but they also finished quite a way back from Liverpool. Um, Pep Guardiola's, uh, let's say, stubbornness to bring in a defender um, during the year uh, clearly clearly backfired. Um, Emmerich Laporte injured throughout most the entire season almost was a massive loss for them. Uh, they were playing. Fernandinho at centre-back, which is a huge loss for them because he's the glue in the midfield. Um, he allows the likes of Kevin De Bruyne to go a little bit more forward and join the, and join the attack and, and create the goals that they did. They scored you know, a, a heap of goals this year, but it was the losses in which they had against certain teams that they'll be very disappointed with. They had, had two, two losses to Wolves. They lost to Norwich early in the season, and Norwich were awful this year. So, you know, they were very, very, very disappointing um, in that respect. Again, Beautiful team to watch. You know, the fantastic passes of the ball. And Kevin De Bruyne had another outstanding season, matching Thierry Henry's record of 20 assists for the year. I mean, they've obviously lacked, you know, some leadership maybe this year as well with with, with Vincent Company gone uh, over to, you know, leaving over to go back and play in, in Belgium and obviously seeing out his kind of his career there at his at his home team and, his, and, and a bit of a swan song for him but yeah they just they just missed a couple of things obviously uh, there you know they lost Leroy Sane at the start of the year didn't play um he's now off to Bayern Munich they just couldn't really they obviously got pummeled by Liverpool the first time they played and managed to bounce back and beat them in the reverse fixture um after they'd kind of already you know seen out the season and, and had won it but I think they will probably be disappointed. Um, they've still got the Champions League to play for, which I know they'll be 100% committed to. They've got that 2-1 lead over Real Madrid heading into their uh, the home tie uh, at the Etihad on um, on Saturday. But in the Premier League, I think considering the way in which they lost it to Liverpool, I think they probably don't deserve an A of any kind of any kind of grade, but I think a B is fair. You know, they were stronger than everybody else. They had a really, relatively decent season. They've achieved a lot under Pep Guardiola. I imagine that uh, he'll stay there for another year and try and win them the Champions League this year and get them back to where they need to be. But plenty of work to do on the squad as a whole uh, heading into the new season. Let's go across to their crosstown rivals, Manchester United, who somehow finished third... Uh, they're on their way to the Champions League. Uh, I gave them a B. Fox Sports gave them an A minus, and Optus gave them a B plus. So again, quite a wide range here. Where have you gone? 
Look, I've gone for a B minus B. I wish I could do like a B minus minus somewhere in between because I really don't know where to sit. Somewhere in that B range, definitely not a B plus. They were definitely a club that were like, I suppose, Villa to an exa- for an example, that definitely benefited from the lockdown. Um, they came out a much better team after it. Um, the signing of Bruno Fernandes was imperative to their season. He brought an edge of competitiveness that the squad didn't have, and he has not just obviously produced the results on his own, but he's made other players match his standard. Um, he's gotten Paul Pogba back to playing, you know, wanting to play for the Red Devils again, and it allowed, and even Anthony Martial kind of freed him up a little bit with his creativity. That being said, the start of the season was appalling. And to think that they only just scraped through to the Champions League, considering the money that they spend on players and 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 the chopping and the changing, it was very difficult to see. But a third-place finish, you'd be very happy with if you were Oli Gunnar Solskjaer heading into a new season who looks to finally be sort of riding the ship that has been ever so rocky since the uh, departure of Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, he'll be a man smiling with joy heading into the new season. And uh, unfortunately, we will be left forever with the memory of Jesse Lingard scoring the last goal of the season (laughs) and somehow saving his career at Manchester United again. Poor poor bloke. (laughs) Let's go to Newcastle United, who finished 13th this year. Um, An interesting range. Once again, there's a few of them here. I've gone with a B-, Fox Sports a C, and Optus a B. But you've been quite positive about them i thought newcastle had a great season this year um b plus for me personally considering they spent little to no money on anyone their only big money sailing was jolington who was obviously not very good and didn't score a lot of goals but he held the ball up very well he, he may not be an out-and-out goal scorer which is a problem in the premier league because the premier league is very much based on individual performances uh unlike it is in other leagues around the world it's very much like who's this guy can he score 30 goals a season if he can't then he he's not a good footballer um i thought jollington was hard done by um they brought in steve bruce to sort of (laughs) man the boat um he did a i thought an excellent job they picked up some really good results against sides like manchester united tottenham and arsenal and you know ended up finishing 13th considering they pretty much brought in little to no kind of power uh, into their squad, I think uh, a C is very harsh considering what the what Bruce had to work with. Obviously, they've got the 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 new business uh, ownership up in the clouds still, but in terms of on no, the field the news has just comes news has just come through. It's gone. They have pulled out completely. It's, yeah, I, I heard they pulled out completely, but I still think there's more to more to come ahead of that. Uh, now, the, the rumour that's coming around is that Newcastle United could be announcing a raid on the players from the next team, Norwich City, who have finished 20th last, relegated. Um, they, they, look, their season was absolutely abysmal, but the, the interesting news that has come out of this is that Newcastle United have apparently launched a raid to pick up Todd Cantwell and Timu Puki from Norwich City. Yeah, there'd be pickups for for Newcastle. Um, I imagine that's where they'll they'll probably go to if the new ownership, you know, doesn't come through in time ahead of the new season. Um, if, if not at all, you know, Mike Astley might be hedging his bets a little bit and wants to obviously get rid of the club and not have to waste and lose any more money on it than he already has. Um, he obviously, you know, he's a stout owner 
doesn't believe he believes in obviously working at on minimal resources but producing big results um so i imagine they'll obviously dip into the championship to find those uh, those Premier League experienced players from this season who are going down. Uh, in regards to Norwich, I've only got one thing to, to, to say about Norwich is that I told you so. I told you so, people. I've been saying it since the very start of the season when they beat Manchester City 3-2 and everyone had the rave about the Pookie, you know, Team Pookie, how great's he going? And they were terrible all season. They couldn't defend. After the Christmas break, I don't think he scored a goal. Um, well, he got marked out of the game. Got marked out of the game because that's all they had. And they were pretty – they were rubbish. They were rubbish. They lost to Villa twice. If you lose to Villa twice, you get an F in yeah. my book. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone gave them an F except Fox Sports who gave them an E minus inexplicably. So I don't know what they were thinking about with that. Let's go to a, a, a much more positive team. And I think that one of the true surprise packages of this year – and it's Sheffield United, and I see A's all round, but you've gone one further. Oh, A-plus for me. Um, they were incredible this season, uh, off a very minimal budget. Didn't change the team that they had that brought them into the Premier League. They they worked tirelessly um, every single game. They produced great results. They play attractive football at the same time that the fans want to see. And they, you know, they, and they, and they, produced a, a performance that no one would have thought. You know, a lot of people probably backed them to go down, to go straight down, but to finish ninth in the top half, you know, a few points just behind the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal, um, finishing ahead of Premier League um, uh, experienced sides like Everton, Crystal Palace, Burnley. Um, these are incredible achievements. And Chris Wilder's men will be very, very happy that they are, you know, going to um, uh, be going to the next um, next season uh uh, going into next season uh, full of confidence and maybe bringing some new signings. There's one rumour for mine and something to watch over the summer. Dean Henderson, I thought, was outstanding for Sheffield United, but I can smell Manchester United knocking on, on the Blades' doors and going, we want him back because we're going to replace um, De Gea with him. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... I don't like to predict what's going to happen with teams uh, going into the in new season, but uh, it's definitely an option for United, and I'm sure that uh, Sheffield will be, be desperate to keep a hold of him. Let's go to the next team. We're going to go to the South Coast, and it's Southampton who finished 12th. I gave um, my beloved Saints a B. Fox Sports agree. Optus gave him a B plus, and you gave him a C plus. So a little bit more, you know, consistent in terms of the, the ratings all round, but it has to be said, I don't think anyone saw this finish after the 9-0 drubbing they copped at the hands of Leicester City. Yeah, no. Uh, Southampton had an incredible revival um, led by and spearheaded by Danny Ings up front. Um, I don't know how they they how they turned it around uh, quite honestly. Um, I'm sure that uh, you're extremely happy about it. Um, it's been, it, they played some great football and I, I imagine that uh, you know they'll fast uh, want to obviously improve on that result. Really, I mean, no one, as you said, now that they finished 12th, you know, every season you want to see an improved team. So it'd be interesting to see where they where he goes and with this uh, Ralph Hafelhutel um, heading into the new season. Does he bring in new players? Um, what does he do? He's obviously got a formula that works, and that and the players are. Are sticking to and believe in, which is massive for the club that you know haven't really ever recovered from that. You know, losing the likes of you know Sadio Mane, Virgil Van Dijk, Graziano Pella, 
um, all those seasons ago when they were, you know, pushing for uh, for European finishes. Well, I can tell you that the two main their two main focuses right now will be signing um, long bone, uh, small bones, long term, and the other one will be to make the move of Kyle Walker Peters permanent. And I think that's part of it is Kyle Walker Peters has given them the gravitas to be able to go forward and has taken some of the pressure off James Ward Prowse to have to play in defence. There's some players that they definitely need this Southampton side, but it's you know they're in a position that. Uh, you know, they're not going to be, you know, having to scrape the bottom of the barrel for talent anymore. You know, they're going to probably look to bring in some quality players that can help them go to the next level. Let's go to the next team, and it's a very disappointing Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I've given them a B minus. Fox Sports has given them a C minus. Optus a C, and Dom, you've you've stuck yourself right in the middle of that whole pack. Yeah, I've gone um, I've gone with a C as well for for Spurs. Um, I think this season obviously got off to a got off to an absolute shocker when they obviously lost to Mauricio Pochettino. And obviously, unfortunately, I think this did. I think a lot of their season was based off the loss in the Champions League final. Um, they just never, they just never bounced back. They lost Christian Eriksen to Inter, um, who was obviously their main man and main for a very long time there in the number ten role. And had just absolutely zero creativity for the number of games and lost some big matches. They lost Harry Kane for a number of games throughout the season, who, you know, when he was on was great, um, but wasn't there enough to really generate the results that they wanted. Son Hyun Min had a, a brief period where he was playing incredibly well, but fell off a little bit towards the back end of the year, which obviously resulted in not scoring too many goals. Um, Jose Mourinho came in, kind of steadied the ship, but... <sighs> It's too hard to tell with this Spurs side this year as well, where they would have really finished. They lost a lot of players to injury, which was very, very disappointing for them. Obviously, for the being competitive with the other big signs that they usually go up against, which, again, I think was probably a little harsh to give them anything lower than a C because of that. But they just didn't really show any kind of like aspiration to do any better on the field. And I think... A C is only fair, considering even though they ended up finishing sixth, uh, and you know sides that finished above them are usually the sides that finish above them anyway. Let's go to the next team where uh, I think some teams are, where they've copped an absolute bollocking, and, and I, to be honest, I, I think it's another one of these clubs where their his, their recent history has finally caught up with them. It is Watford. They finished nineteenth. Uh, I gave them an F. What? Um, Optus gave him an F. Fox Sports gave him a D minus. I don't know why. I don't and, know uh, who wrote the article at Fox Sports, but and we're not going to say whoever's name it is on this on this edition of Splinters. But holy moly, a D minus for this club. I mean, I've given him a fat F as well. It's just purely. It's, I mean, a lot of it's been off the back of their performances off the field from their let's say malicious owners who sacked three managers in the space of a year, uh, in the space of a season, a record. Uh, perhaps maybe the, the lockdown uh, and the suspension of the season obviously assisted that. But to sack Nigel Pearson two games out from the season where he was pretty much on the verge of getting him, he, was, he got them out of relegation inside three games. And they were starting to play some decent football and some football that they believed in, which they weren't doing at the start of the season. I think, again, maybe the lockdown played 
uh, you know, up there, its hand there. It was a bit unfortunate for Watford because they did not bounce out of it like Villa did, um, which ended up, you know, resulting in them going down. Uh, they picked up some poor results and just couldn't get those that vital three points that they needed against size that they needed to win. Like unlike Villa did, who managed to get the three points against Arsenal and against Crystal Palace when they when the when it mattered most. And uh, it shows that they just didn't uh, get through, and they just had some players who just didn't really want to be there, um, weren't playing well enough, didn't believe in the in the system, and showed that uh, on the field that. Uh, those were the you know the performances that they produced and then they've finally got their comeuppance and they're they're going back down to the championship. I, I, one could only think what Sir Alton John would be thinking right now after seeing all of this. Can I ask you, is this the end of Troy Deeney? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think there's a there's a position for him in a Premier League uh, club next season. I wouldn't even be surprised if Aston Villa had a play for him. I wouldn't be too happy because of uh, his celebration he did when he scored against us at. Uh, <laughs> in the in the home leg for Watford, uh, back in uh, uh, back uh, just as uh, before Christmas time, um, but you would I would be surprised that uh, someone doesn't if someone didn't pick him up. Um, he'll want to play in the Premier League if the offer comes through. He'll probably play another season in the Championship. You know that's where he's played most of his career anyway. So I imagine that um, there's you know, there's still more time for Troy Denny left. <laughs> he's only 32. Like I said, he he uh, he hilariously calls someone a, a cheeky. A cheeky something, uh, the journal a cheeky something when he when he questioned his age and whether or not it'd be a last game in a Watford shirt or a Premier League game. So I think there's still more we'll see from Troy Denny for sure. Let's go for a team that I think has underachieved, uh, uh, amazingly underachieved uh, since the time of um, Slard and Billich when he was uh, managing them. It is West Ham United who finished 15th and for all intents and purposes, considering the size of this club, considering where they've been before, really, I think the way they played this year, they deserve to get relegated. Yeah, I think West Ham got a bit lucky in the end. They picked up some... They, like Villa, picked up that key win at Chelsea um, when they beat them 3-2 and managed to sort of scrape through and just pick up some results where they needed. They were poor this year. After the big money signings that they made back when Manuel Pellegrini was in charge with a... Spent a lot of money to bring in some real good talent. Um, they just haven't really gone anywhere with it uh, and have been really, really disappointing. Um, they brought David Moyes back uh, through the year to, to try and you know steady the ship, but he hasn't really done very much. He's done okay. Um, the players there are pretty bang average. Um, they had some some sort of shining lights in Mikel Antonio, who had a good performances after lockdown, but wasn't that strong throughout the season anyway. Um, Declan Rice is there. Big draw card who's been quite incredible and probably a future captain of the club. That's if he's not picked up by one of the bigger to- bigger teams through the season, which I can definitely see happening ahead of the new um, competition. But uh, yeah, again, they just they're stuck in a lull, West Ham, and I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Uh, I feel like the club has lost its soul ever since they went to the London Stadium. They're no longer that one of the you know that that East End club, you know that where they playing at Upton Park. Uh, all the bowling oh, ground, how would you refer to it now? It, no, no, it will forever be known as Upton Park. Yeah, Upton um, Park, you know. And, and, and it was a cauldron. It's like no one liked going to Upton Park because it was – the, the fans would be sitting right on top of you. You could almost reach out and touch them. And it was intimidating for opposition players. Mm, it was. They've and, lost it. And they've lost it. They've lost a bit of a – They've lost a little bit of that sort of ruggedness to them, and it, and you know, in, in their pursuit to try and become a, 
since a Premier League star, they've kind of lost the, the ladder in which they need to use to, to climb up. And they're currently sliding down it very, very quickly. The last team we go to is Wolverhampton Wanderers with the arguably the best coaching name in football going around um, at the moment in, uh, in, in Nuno Spirito Santo. He has done, an, I think for mine, an excellent job with the, uh, the team from the black, from the, uh, the black side of um, Birmingham. Yeah, he has. Wolves have been great for um, for ever since they've come into the Premier League. I mean, they've had some help. There's obviously some controversies around the way the club the club has run and how they bring players in with obviously mega agent Jorge Lopez, uh, Jorge Mendes, sorry, uh, having a part ownership in the club. Um, but you know, full credit to them on the field. They've been playing some really really good football. They picked up some really big wins this year at Arma Traore, obviously. Player of the year for them was incredible uh, throughout the year. His size and speed is, is proving an absolute nightmare for teams to handle, especially when he was coming off the bench in the lockdown uh, period of the game. Um, I remember thinking in at least three of the games he came off the bench and made an immediate, immediate impact uh, on on the result of the match. And I imagine that uh, you know there'll be clubs uh, above Wolves that'll be looking at uh, bringing him on board, maybe next season but Wolves obviously want to keep him and build on what they have and I think with Wolves I think the question is for me I've given them an A- minus to finish up their season they finished seventh you know they probably could have finished a little bit better they had a poor start but then were quite strong after that um, but my question to Wolves is where do they go to next you know they're now sitting in that seventh and sixth spot you know battling for Europa League uh, positions but do they want to you know start moving and stepping up into that Champions League position and I'm just interested to see where they go from from here do they start splashing cash and bringing in some quality or do they stick their guns and keep the team and try and work on what they've got and build towards something it's an interesting position that they find themselves in but now nevertheless a great season from from the from Wolverhampton and I imagine that uh, we'll probably see them in and around this position again uh, when the new season rolls around yep the other two players from mine who need to be who really deserve, do deserve a mention is their striker Raul Jimenez um and their goalkeeper, Rui Patricio, who finished with 13 clean sheets. Yeah, uh, two incredible talents. Raul Jimenez, I think, has been touted at, of a move away, potentially to Manchester United or or wherever. But they've got, obviously, Rui Patricio in goals. is a great, safe pair of hands. And has been for a number of years before he even played in the Premier League, obviously, at, at Sporting Lisbon. So I imagine that... Um, They've got themselves, you know, some some key players in some key positions that will be there for a number of seasons moving forward and 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 performing with, at, you know, at 110 percent every season to to keep them in the Premier League and keep them competing, you know, with the very best. So with that, it is the end of the season. We've already seen the teams get promoted, um, or at least two of the teams get promoted because we are still waiting, of course, for the um, the promotion playoff match to occur, which is between Brentford and Fulham. Uh, what have you made? What do you make so far of the two teams that have been uh, that are being promoted in Leeds United and West Bromwich Albion? And who do you think is going to be likely to get relegated next season? Well, I think Leeds and Wool and West Ham, sorry, and West Brom. Excuse me. I'll get them eventually. Uh, they both bottled their chance last season. Um, Leeds were obviously a clear for, favourite to, to come up last uh, last year. They were, you know, I think they were in first and second throughout the entire year, and then and then plummeted on the last couple of days to finish in uh, in the top uh, playoff position. Then went down to Derby uh, in that playoff where they should never have lost. Um, 
they come back up now finally they finally made it there it's been a long way to get there but they've maybe it might benefit them in the long run that they've had this opportunity and this kind of struggle on their way up to the premier back to the premier league now that you know when they get in there they're going to be ready for any kind of challenge that comes their way west brom again they kind of bottled it a bit against villa when they lost on penalties last year in the in the playoff semi-final um they find themselves back in have been playing very well uh in the championship this year and I think we're expecting, obviously, um, a very good uh, matchup next year when they play Aston Villa uh, in the in the local derby uh, come next season. But um, I'm I'm thinking big things from them uh, next year um, when they come in. In terms of teams that are going to get relegated, well, look, it's hard to say really. I mean, you've got to just probably look at the sides that only just missed out in Aston Villa and and West Ham, who will be obviously clear favourites to, you know, to to go down again. Um, I imagine whoever comes up between um, the two sides that play uh, in the playoff final will be will be in the, it will be in the mixer. Um, Crystal Palace will have a hard job in keeping Wilfred Sahar uh, at the club, which will put them in a position as well as Brighton. They haven't particularly set any fires ablaze in recent times. So those are the kinds of clubs that I expect to get relegated. But I think it's too early for me to, to say, even with the season not even, with the season still, a month away, month or two away to commit to three teams that will go down. But those teams that I mentioned are definitely in the mixer. And then finally, who's looking good for the premiership next year? I mean, it's hard to go past uh, Liverpool look, going back to back. Liverpool back to back. I think it'd be very interesting with Manchester City, um, what they do. Chelsea are looking really good with the signings that they've made. And Manchester United will be a threat. Obviously, favourites will be Liverpool to go back to back. But those two sides in Chelsea and Manchester United, I think are going to throw a real real curveball at those at those two who have kind of had a stranglehold on the competition in the last couple of years in Liverpool and Manchester City. So it's really interesting. I'm really hoping we can get something a bit more competitive next year at the top of the table um, as we'd had previous years. So time will tell, obviously. But yeah, those four clubs I'm looking at as being the, as the ones that will be um, competing for that title again in the new season. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, the referee has called full-time on this episode of Splinters and indeed full-time on the English Premier League for 2019-20, finally. Dom and I are jubilant, of course. Our two teams have managed to stay up against all odds, and uh, we will be looking forward to cracking on for another year and enjoying seeing the Lord Mayor rot his way through in the uh, in the championship with his <laughs> beloved Blackburn Rovers. Um, Dom Rosetto, thank you very much for joining. Once again, we, we love our football, and we've got the Champions League now to watch for the rest of the uh, for the rest of our winter. Looking forward to it, Caruso. And I'm looking forward to talking more football with you when the season rolls around in a few months' time. Absolutely. That is full-time here on the Splinters, uh, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto, my name is Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. (laughs) 